and welcome back to Box Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Monica Marvelous. Hey, Monica, how's it going? Going good. Yeah. Oh, it's short. Just, yeah, because yeah, it's just me this week. <laughs> Once uh, again, doing a topic, right, that I couldn't talk anyone other than you and me into. No, well, we'll get to that. Okay, so okay, so here's my life today. I was supposed to buy a car this morning. That didn't happen. My plan was, can I buy a car without talking to a person? I was like, this would be great. So I went to do like a whole Carvana thing. And my wife had bought her car on Carvana. So we've used it before. And it worked out really well for her. So. I was like, okay, I will buy the car with Carvana. And then service said, okay, the car can be delivered to you next Tuesday to your doorstep, which is how we bought hers before. Or you can get it on Saturday if you want to go to the Carvana vending machine, stupid, you know, like the big tower. And I was like, well, I don't really want to go to the tower because it's not like, it's not actually cool. I understand why people think it's cool, but I was like, I don't want to go there. It's like 15 miles away. And really I would like to order my car, just have it come to my doorstep. But also I don't want to wait the extra four days. So like, I guess I will go to the vending machine place. And we were all set. Everything was ready. All my loan paperwork's done. And then literally last night I get mail from them saying, there's a problem. We're rescheduling your pickup date for a week from now. And I'm like, I can't do a week from now. <laughs> like I, I was doing it on. And because like now you're inconveniencing me for this trip that I don't want to take anyway. So I call them and they're like, oh, well, yeah, but like that's just the next time that there's an available time. The problem is that they didn't deliver the car. Like the car was physically in like California or something and they had to put it on a like on a train and deliver it to Pittsburgh and it didn't make it and then they were like oh well we won't tell him till you know 12 hours before he's supposed to be here so it just threw off my entire plans for the day and then they were like oh well don't worry you can just come next week and I'm like that's not better <laughs> so now they're theoretically they're bringing my car to my house next week or maybe the week after that and I'm really upset. I have no car. I So instead, I've just been doing other stuff. Like I mowed my lawn and I'm doing a lot of housework. We were cleaning up. We cleaned out the garage. So I have somewhere to park the car that I don't own yet. <laughs> it's very exciting. This has been my life. So the reason I'm telling all that story is because it's all car related. And what's the topic today? <laughs> Surprise, by which I mean, we're surprising no one. Given how many times I have possibly brought up my love for the Fast and Furious franchise and the fact that we're going to get a movie every year until Vin Diesel dies because he also loves the Fast and Furious franchise. So we are talking Fast 10 today, baby! Okay, so if I remember correctly, isn't the Fast and Furious franchise how you ended up being on the show permanently? It is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was pretty Fast sure. <laughs> nine. Yeah, this was you couldn't get anyone other than Katya to watch the movies. And I had the chance to guest on some, a previous our American Girl Doll episode. And mm -hmm. you were like, I know someone who really loves Fast and Furious. It's right. Monica. And then and you, were supposed to be for, that, you were supposed to be for another show. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. it was just like you were like, I'm like, just. Just stay. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. you're right. So, the Fast and Furious franchise is how I became part of the Vox Popcast family. That's what I thought. Yep. Oh, God. You're going to start. <laughs> I'm starting already. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, all right. Now, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Fast 10, Fast X, Fast 10. This is your final warning for spoilers. So, because we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. There's no way for us to do it. But we're not just talking about Fast 10. We're going to talk about the entire franchise as a whole. So, last chance for spoilers spoiler alert okay now okay now that's out of the way we talked a lot about the way things work 
in the fast world last time we did the show on it. Like we talked a lot about an in-depth analysis of it. And my first thought was I should go back and listen to that show. And then I realized, but they never do when they write these movies. So <laughs> like past logic doesn't matter. So I have not reviewed what I said. So instead, we're going to record this whole show and then we're going to see if I feel the same. I mean, I'll listen back just to both of them later and we'll see. But anyway, in the meantime, I've seen all the fast movies. Monica, you've seen all the fast movies. Now, you told me leading up to Fast 10 last week, two weeks ago. Last week. I, like, I, I guess the yes. film uh, so have- for listeners in mm-hmm. podcast time travel at the time mm-hmm. of recording. This movie has been out for one week. So it opened last week. Right. Okay. So two weeks ago, then before it came out, you held an event. Okay. Tell us about it. I did hold an event. Tell, tell, um, Cause I, I think that's going to lead into your guests. Is that correct? It is going to lead into my guests. I came to realize that there's something very strange about how large Fast 10 can be as a phenomenon. And yet every time a new movie comes in, like these are really ones where even though you don't read the scripts, like I'm assuming part of what makes them so big is that it's just returning viewers rather than ever particularly like picking up new people to the franchise. Because when you tell people that like you need to watch 10 movies, like that feels overwhelming. That's a lot of film time. And so there is something about I've come to realize that Fast 10, as large as the franchise as it is, is a pretty niche audience and that most of my friends still fell into the category of having not watched Fast 10. Which really, how are we friends? I don't know. So I had to rectify it immediately. (laughs) I felt like it was a core part of my personality to understand who I am to watch Fast 10. So I held... So your original plan was to force them to watch all nine movies? Like, uh, all nine prequels? And then you cut it back to You know, so when we had our summer movie preview and we had Josh on and Josh and I agreed that what should be the proper preparatory viewing order would be that you watch five, six, three, nine, ten. Maybe throw one in there for classics reasons, but that you really needed Mm -hmm. to watch five, six, three, nine, ten. And I'm aware that is so much to ask, even from people who love me. So we watched five because (laughs) ten is a sequel to five because it turns out there was a character who was just there the whole time and you never knew it, which is very normal fast logic for anyone who has ever seen a fast movie. So we watched five and Mm ten and uh, I held a movie night and I made blue jello shots that were NOS themed and it went over great. And I would like to say (laughs) that I have brought two guests, one of which was a new indoctrination into the family. The other one was someone I went and saw Fast 9 with. So someone who already understands the power of the family. So I feel like we're going to have what I'm hoping is a good balance of guests to talk about why you should also indoctrinate yourself into the family, even if it feels a little bit overwhelming to watch 10 movies. Gotcha. Okay. So who do we have? So to start, there is this thing about the podcast where you're not really in a relationship until your partner has been a guest, right? <laughs> so so that's... That's not necessarily true. Maybe it's, not, <laughs> I mean, maybe. it's not necessarily okay. true, but I feel like for me, this is the first time that I have brought a partner on the podcast. So you know it's pretty serious, right guys? <laughs> so I brought my partner, Lindsay, as our first guest. And Lindsay had never watched A Fast and Furious and has now had to sit through both five and ten. Because they love me. Welcome, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, thanks so much for having me on the I, podcast, guys. So, okay, so you've got no prior experience to this franchise. I mean, I, I've, you live on the planet Earth. You've heard of it, but you've got no actual experience with this franchise before two weeks ago, you're saying? Yeah, I before last Friday, I had never seen a Fast Furious movie, uh, nor did I really have any sense of um, what they were about beyond the cars mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, no, this is very new to me. Say, uh, dating Monica, you do hear a lot about Fast and the Furious, so I <laughs> had a little bit of that um, so it's come- uh, going in but that was it so is it like a thing where like when she mentions it you just roll your eyes and it's like yeah whatever babe and just move on or I mean, oh, you, know, you gotta be a uh, supportive partner it's important sure. you've gotta you, you've gotta engage with your partner's interests okay. so you know definitely uh, one of those partner things I you know she she really this was important to her so I was like alright we're gonna we're gonna watch these movies and we're gonna go out I'm gonna bring excitement and for the process and you know i wasn't disappointed so um pretty good on the whole well i will have many more questions for a i mean i guess no longer fast virgin right like you've like you're indoctrinated you've seen oh i lost my virginity yeah, yeah you got your two two movies in literally movie five and movie ten so like and we're not counting hobbs and shaw count yourself lucky <laughs> but you've seen a fifth of this franchise and it's and you know frankly kind of weird part so I'll have questions later, but before that, I'm going to return to Monica. And so who's your other guest? My other guest is one of my very dear friends. And I would put it as someone who probably shares my level of fast enthusiasm, as in someone who suggested okay. that we should go watch Fast 10 together before I had to subtly drop hints for an entire month beforehand, like I did with Lindsay. So, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I mean, none of those were subtle hints. I, every time we drove past a poster because we live in LA, I would say, you know, we're going to go see that, right? So I brought my friend Anna. And my friend Anna is a wonderful director, producer, writer who happens to have a fast and furious sex script that she's been working on. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Hello. Thanks for having Hello. me. <laughs> so you did. So you, you haven't worked on this franchise itself. It's just pure, you know, in, in your dreams of dreams is what you're saying. It's just exactly. It's just heavy manifestation at this point. But give me like I support that 10 years max. <laughs> of which oh. I realized maybe, <laughs> okay. Anna, do you want to just let the listeners know what a spec script is for anyone who's not a screenwriter? Yeah. OK, so a spec script is basically like giving taking your best shot at writing something in the style of an established show or movie or franchise. So for example, you could write a spec script for something that has already finished. Like you could write a friend's spec script or you could write a spec script for Star Wars or Fast and Furious or the any existing franchise. And obviously it's pretty tricky to get that actual script off the ground because they have whole teams of people who are already doing that. But I think it's more just kind of a way to show your knowledge of the franchise, your kind of how you would put your unique spin on it. And yeah, just kind of like your perspective. The way I would explain it to people is because it, it's you know, understanding writer stuff is a little more tricky. I think for a regular person than understanding acting stuff. I think people tend to know what a demo reel is for an actor or so it's the version of that for a writer. Yeah, that's a great example. OK, so I assume that if you've written this, that means you're a fan through and through. So you're not Walking in here with only, you know, one 
one previous movie the way Lindsay oh, is. Oh yeah, and, not some yeah. innocent, bright-eyed young. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember seeing the. I remember seeing these movies in theaters when I was, you know, in high school, like dating myself. And it's crazy that they're still so. But it, I mean, even when Monica and I, because Monica and I saw Fast Nine together, and it was when I had just moved to LA in the very beginning of 2020, and that was like three years ago. So it's crazy. I guess that's the kind of the cool thing about like a franchise like this is. It's mm-hmm. fun to look back and see where you were when all the movies came out and like who you were dating, and what you were, where you were working and like all the different kinds of things that change over the years. So this and no, we are for those who've never seen this, we are 22 years into this franchise. Wow. The first Fast and Furious movie came out. Well, the first Fast and Furious movie of the Fast and Furious proper film came out in 2001. Now, that is the 2001 film is a very, very, very loose remake of a film called Fast and Furious from 1954, which is arguably also a loose remake of a 1939 film, which is also arguably a loose remake of a 1927 film. It is my dream that Fast 11 that they have people from the entire franchise. There's got to be someone who's 120 years old who was in the 1927 silent film that I just want them back as, you know, Dom's great grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't care how it works. Just like find somebody, find some way to get in, get like a 120 year old person into this film (laughs) to be like, yes. I have been fasting and furiousing for a hundred years. That's what I'm looking for. But anyway, there are 10 films in the franchise proper. We're going to talk a lot about the 10th one today. And there's, we're not going to talk about these three prior films because they're not really related. They're like I said, they're loosely, I mean, there was crime and cars in the 1954 one. I mean, and that's quite it. frankly, um, Matt, when we talk also, about what the first movie and the 10th movie have in common basically crime and cars is the only through line anyway so that's all you need but i understand the argument and and a couple of cast members that's literally what i thought you were saying i thought you were saying yeah fast seven eight nine are not related and i was like yeah i kind of got a point yeah but there's also a spinoff movie called hobbs and shaw which happens in this universe that i think matters because of the logic of why hobbs and shaw exists and then there are films there's Turbo, a Fast and Furious short, which 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 bridges the gap between the first movie and the second movie between Fast and Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. And then there's another movie called Los Mandaleros, which I think that happens between three and four <laughs> or maybe between. Oh, no, can't happen between three and four because three is other place. I guess it happens between two and four. Three happens later. And then there is a movie called Better Luck Tomorrow, which was not originally a Fast and Furious movie. It's just a crime drama directed by Justin Lin, who starts directing fast movies with Fast and Furious 3, a.k.a. Tokyo Drift. So Tokyo Drift has a character in it that's from another film that Justin Lin had directed on his own called Better Luck Tomorrow. So the character of Han actually premieres in Better Luck Tomorrow, then moves over to the Fast and Furious movies. So therefore, retroactively, the Better Luck Tomorrow movie is in the Fast universe. And then finally, there's Fast and Furious Spy Racers, which is a children's cartoon starring Dom's cousin, who Dom decides, hey, you can drive. You be a secret agent, too. And then they had a whole 
Netflix series that I think runs like five seasons and I've never actually watched that. So I was going to watch some of these this week and then I didn't. So I'm wondering, Monica, does your, I, well, I've seen some of them. I've seen Los Bandoleros. I've seen, I've seen Turbo. Monica, did your fandom go deep enough for you to it watch? It has not gone deep things? enough, but it's <laughs> somehow <laughs> the animated children's series did make the watch list. So that's how we know that I am in too far. <laughs> Anna, has this hit your level of fandom? No, I was literally just looking them up. Apparently it's like, I guess they're like bridges, story bridges, which <laughs> is so helpful. I yes. watched Fast, whatever the fourth one. Is it Fast and Furious? I think there's no... The fourth one is Fast. Yes, the fourth one. We should explain the naming. So, okay, yeah. so the naming convention of Fast and Furious, this is just a pause for the listeners who have not watched these films yet, but are still listening. The naming conventions for the Fast and the Furious films are nonsensical i mean they're just they're not they're just fun in some ways so i'm gonna just i'm going to go through the primary films just to give you a general idea of where they are so the first film is called the fast and the furious the second that's 2001 the second film is too fast too furious with the twos are the number two instead of the to the third film is the fast and the furious tokyo drift then the fourth film is just called Fast and Furious, <laughs> which is OK. Sure. The fifth film is called Fast Five. So they've just gotten the Furious out by then. It's just Fast Five. And yet the sixth film, the Furious comes back and it's Fast and Furious Six. So the seventh film is Furious Seven with no fast. <laughs> it's just Furious Seven. The eighth film is The Fate of the Furious. And, I don't, and that's easy to remember because fate rhymes with eight. And yet they did. I mean, the obvious thing would have been to do. And I'm so mad they did. But they didn't. (laughs) Yes. It irritates me to no end that they did not do that. They just. That also just just sounds so much like the last movie in a franchise. Like that sounds so ominous. And yet it was not at all. It's not. And it's not even. It doesn't even seem like it. It's not. There's no question that it's not going to be the last movie. Because there's like cliffhangers. It's like. So number nine is called F9. It's just called F9. There's no, there's no, no words. It's just an F. It's not, yeah. Because they realized it's that they messed F9. up in yep. not called F8, and they were like, okay, fine. You guys can have what you wanted. <laughs> it's so, right. It's F9, I guess. And then the 10th movie is called Fast X. And that's where we are today. Now, there's another one coming out in 2025, which we're, I mean, is he going to call it Fast X Part 2? Is it going to be? We don't know. But anyway, so that's where these things are and they make no sense. But I'm sorry for interrupting you, Anna, because you were talking about they bridge. You said you talk about how some of them are bridged between each other. And I believe you were talking about with. Oh, yeah, that's the fa- Fast and Furious 4, yes. which is which is a sequel to two. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're it's, chronological. Well, because it wasn't clear that Tokyo Drift was Tokyo Drift always felt like it was like outside of the timeline or just outside of yes. altogether. But it, I don't think it was clear that it was a pre until later or that it was like well, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. Yeah, I don't know. The order, the whole, I'm yes. so confused with the order now, but I was, yes. anyway, I was re-watching Fast Four the other night, and I was like, oh, this is, like, mm-hmm. way better than I remember, but the whole, like, sneaking gas or stealing gas in the Dominican Republic thing, I was like, where did that come from? And apparently <laughs> that's one of the things that the short film, like, lays the groundwork for. And I was like, oh, that would be good to know. Yes. Bandolier. Uh, so, <laughs> it's so 
crazy. But yes, the okay. After all the things that I just talked about with the names being weird, the order is weird too, because I'm just gonna do the numbers. The chronological viewing order of the films is is one, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight, nine, ten. But then ten is also a sequel <laughs> that, for five. That is but yes, but ten is also a direct sequel to five. There, this is without time travel. There is so confusing a thing. None of this makes sense, but sure. And then, by the way, with all that, then number so of the two shorts, Turbo happens between one and two, between the Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. And then Los Bandoleros happens between two and four. And then my understanding is that Spy Racer the children's cartoon happens at various points between eight, nine, and 10. I think I've never watched my racers, but that's my understanding of Which, how it works. Really? I enjoy the fact that they've left the sophisticated timeline storytelling at its most complicated to the children's cartoon. <laughs> But I do think that there is something about like children wanna... being like raised in the postmodern era that you're like, of course they understand like time travel across everything. <laughs> well, I just want to point out that like, so Lindsay just put in our, our little chat for the thing while I was talking, you wrote, I'm sorry, animated children series. <laughs> That's correct, Lindsay. <laughs> That was news to me. I don't know if this is. Not watching. I feel like this is like a. This is not going to be a welcome hot take. I'm like, I'm not a big Marvel movie fan, and my partner That's is fun. very much so. So I constantly, I'm like trying to justify this, but. To me, the like timeline stuff that's happening with the Fast franchise is so indicative of like where Marvel has gone. And it's because it's like, I feel like it's lazy storytelling, but it allows them to like punch, like push as much content into one movie as possible. Just like now it's like there's no one can die. Like there's and no one can die. Everything has an answer. There was a definitely a point in Fast 10 where I was like, I really wish they would have just like let people show up. Like I'd rather somebody just show up and be like, oh, cool. Okay, that guy's there this is a movie whatever versus like going back and showing me yeah. archival footage from a different movie to explain how he was in the background of this thing and like whatever it's like so much <laughs> it's, this is a universe where death is irrelevant death is a minor inconvenience and i think so in fast nine and i'm pretty sure we talked about this when we did that episode monica but again i didn't go back and listen in fast nine roman played by tyrese his character realizes that they're invincible <laughs> his character is nearly shot by automatic you know machine gun fire and then all the bullets miss and he's like i think i have superpowers i think i'm immortal and he just spends the rest of the movie trying to prove that he can't die and he can't and this movie john cena's character jacob yeah john cena's in these movies john cena's character decides to sacrifice himself by rocket launching a car into oncoming traffic landing upside down and exploding and i'm watching and i'm going "Eh, he'll be fine <laughs> that's what that's what she said when we were watching it. You know, is that he would be back for sure because yeah. uh, they would have spent longer on the death. If I don't know. I think because he sacrificed was... himself, it was a real death. I feel like there's just no accidental death. Ex- You'd think that, except for the problem is right after that happens, or not right after that happens, but within 20 minutes of that happening, yeah, because that, like, that's towards the climax. 
And after the climax, we get to see Giselle, Gal Gadot's uh, character, who sacrificed herself, you know, four movies out ago. out of a plane. And apparently... Taking off very <laughs> high into the air without a parachute. Like, and so, yes, there is something oh about, God. like, where I'm like, oh, yeah, is this the bait and switch where there's no real death? Because earlier on when people died in these films, like, you really made it a moment. Like, especially if we think about the first death of... Han in Tokyo Drift when he mm-hmm. also explodes in an upside down mm-hmm. car, right? Like, which, you know, yeah, yeah. he is very crispy dead until nine, until we find a way to explain it. There, there is a, like, a big moment. No, they, no, they don't explain really it. Don't and explain again, it. He's just in nine, it's just like, oh, he wasn't in the car. Even though he was barbecued <laughs> and we watched it happen. <laughs> I think they, no, no, he wasn't in there. It was a stunt guy in there, right? Like a it was a, it was a double of him for some reason. Why? I don't know. Don't it's know. not important. It might have been a hologram. It was but a hologram. Still something where I'm like, <laughs> the scene after that, we have our main character who like is really sad and torn up about it, and it becomes this like motivational like I got to avenge Han like that drives the plot forward. In which like you feel like there is a sense of mm-hmm. death has stakes even if no one is dead the reason that i am like oh john cena is fucking fine is because immediately afterward someone throws a joke in there that you're just supposed to be like oh he moving on to be fair jason momoa would start joking no matter who died jason momoa was the best part of that movie i can't say that absolutely i'm kind of waiting for us to get into that discourse because that's really most of what i think about leaving that that film what do you well what are your feelings i mean jason momoa who as far as i can tell he was doing back when he hosted snl he had this character that was like like the entire character was just this guy who was extra and he would just keep saying no i can do this because i'm extra (laughs) and then there was this weird overly dramatic goofy pansexual i guess weirdo (laughs) and it was just like and it's literally just going it's jason momoa going but i'm extra and that was as though that's a catchphrase but it wasn't because it was just you know you don't know what to do because it's just that one scene and i guess he's just playing that character for this whole movie (laughs) this is not a complaint loved it loved every second (laughs) so Lindsay, here's your rock you're saying I, no, I I'm a, I was really I was a big fan. I think I'll say two things. One, I think that's the best I've ever yes. seen Jason Momoa in my life. So I'm a, I'm a big I was a big Game of Thrones fan, so I definitely mm-hmm. watched him in that. You know, I saw him most recently. I think probably in Dune. Mm-hmm. Where no offense, to Jason Momoa, I don't think it was really his best performance. Think, um, I don't think Dune I, is anybody's best performance. I'm actually a very, very big Dune fan. I'll say I like uh, I liked um I like Dennis Villanueva's Dune better than I like Frank Herbert. Um, relevantly, I I've never seen Jason Momoa act as her. Um, so I was I was actually a little floored <laughs> at the range I saw. Second of all, I I don't think that they gave him a script for this film. I think that they just said you are going to be Jonathan Van Ness, except you are going to be a sociopath. And yeah. he was like, yeah. yes, I will do that. And he seemed like he was really just having a lot of fun. And honestly, like, I will say, maybe this is just, I'm non-binary, but 
that I was like, it was like very, felt like a very non-binary coded character. Sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he was giving, but it was, I, was, I really liked it. I've it's never, certainly a quarter. It's certainly a quarter coded character. I talked to people who were just, you know, were very, re- I think, reasonably upset about the idea of a queer coded villain because we just see that trope happen all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first to say I don't enjoy queer coded villains. That said, I think that there is something really th- that maybe I do, I think is very dear to me about the queer coded villain because, you know, growing up, that was so much of the media that I engaged with where the villains were just queer coded. I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head of like Hades and like the Hercules, yeah. you know, cartoon film Our or Jafar. even like Ursula and a Little Mermaid. And yeah, Jafar. I mean, everyone's just so gay. And I think what people didn't realize at the time when they were doing that was that rather than discouraging people from gayness, it was going to make me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think, so I think I hold a little bit of fondness for that. But I think I really, at one point, he flounces. Yes. He, yeah. He like, he like does a little <laughs> flounce to get. And I, he, he, he kills two guys and then he paints their toenails while he talks about how he wants to destroy traditional constructs of masculinity. And I don't know, I think that just kind of did something to me spiritually. So I recognize I the criticisms. I think they're valid. I personally mm-hmm. just deeply. I totally agree. I thought it was so fun. I was, I feel so, okay. On one hand, I was like, this is so fun. This is 100% the best he's ever acted. The costumes, I'll let Monica talk about, but I thought they were like incredible and really just like fit the whole vibe. And I loved how he wasn't like obviously explicitly queer, but it was just the feeling. And it wasn't even something that we had to like go deep into and whatever. Like he was just like, yeah, this is who I am and I'm comfortable, whatever. On the other hand, I was a little bit like my partner's a therapist and he was with us that night. And we on the way home, we were talking about like, it's kind of weird that they were like, I don't know, I feel like they explained away a lot of his like depravity through mental health. And they were like, oh, yeah, he's just like, he's so, you know, he's been in and out of psychiatric hospitals and juvie and he's just crazy. And it was like kind of whenever I don't know. And his goals as a character were kind of messy. I was like, I don't know what he wants or what he's trying to do. It felt like they were trying to do like kind of a Joker thing of like, he just loves chaos or he's just like so Mm -hmm. mentally ill that doesn't even know what he wants. He's just wild. But that said, I was just most of the time I was just enjoying the ride of him. I mean, I would really love to throw in if we're going to compare the queer coded villains of Fast 10, I think we have to talk about Charlize Theron because Charlize Theron has existed as a queer coded villain for the previous few movies. And there is this sense of three. I'm not even sure how many. Three? Is this her third or her fourth? Three? It's they blur. I think she came in she's eight. in ten. She's in nine. She's I think she starts in eight. She's not in seven. No, she's not in seven. God, these movies are like they blur so much. Okay. Yes. Seven is Brian's last one, right? Seven is where where Paul dies. Paul Walker dies in real life. So I do believe, yeah, yeah, she's eight, not there. Eight and nine she are her, shows up are her yes moments as our main villain because because she appears Ramsey appears because they're both interested in the god's eye because she is supposed to be a, an evil hacker character right. and one I will say within a fast franchise it mm-hmm. absolutely never bothers me when the villain is queer coded because give it one movie and a barbecue and they'll be a good guy yeah like It'll no one is guy. going to stay <laughs> yeah. a bad guy even right. Charlize Theron was like the enemy of my enemy is mm-hmm. my friend and had to have a cute little team up with Michelle Rodriguez and she's the one who brings our beloved Giselle back into the picture where even though we've been told to hate her for two movies because she literally killed Vin Diesel's baby mama, you know, that there is still some element of like, 
but we just know that she's going to end up fine, right? Like we Jason just, Statham. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Statham killed Han. He's a star now. He's a star. Of the Everyone thing. is He's fine. One Everyone will end up fine. friends, except if you don't like barbecue, right? Like that—that's just what happens. And so there is this like mm-hmm. we can't sit around and be upset when we know that everyone gets folded into the queer family at the end, and the thing that stops them from being evil is their inclusion within queer family. Part of which is what makes this such a queer franchise to begin with, right? So this is well, I'll say that you know, found family is a pretty profoundly queer yes. concept. I mean, to be clear, not that you can't have found family outside family, but it, it's it's been always been very historically important to the queer community. So take that for what you want. I know, Monica, you always joke about like ludicrous and think- Roman being like basically queer. <laughs> Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that because I because that's what I wanted to point out. It's I think that one of the things that I don't even want to say the word excuses because I loved Momoa's performance here. I think the thing that makes Momoa's performance work is that this is the tenth movie in, and it is even when you say Charlize Theron's character is queer coded, she's not queer coded in the flouncy, massively offensive. Like she's not a. 60s ooh she you know ooh gay people are evil kind of thing she's just a she's a generically badass queer as opposed to a we're not laughing at her at no point are we laughing at cypher i think we're laughing at momoa but i think in a way that feels more like we're laughing with him (laughs) you know like like he is not he's not we're not like laughing at him like oh this guy you know uh, this guy is so dumb. It's more like a wow. He has completely rejected all masculine stereotypes, which is how we define the being that is Jason Momoa, right? Like if we look at like that's not Aquaman, that's not Kyle Drogo, that's not that is the force was, that is Dante. <laughs> and I yeah, think that there makes was also this an work. interesting thing, and I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell how much of it was intentional because I feel like with them, they're usually so ham-fisted about things that you're like if something's subtle you're like "Eh." but there was a lot of faith there was more i think a lot of faith in this movie and a lot of like somebody tries to blow up the vatican and there's a lot of like his kid and his family whatever they say i have faith and that's like their weird family Mm -hmm. mantra all of a sudden and i think this is the first movie that had that and there was also like some weird almost like you've got the cross necklace yeah very catholic coded yeah yeah. i feel like there were also a couple moments that felt very like almost like Clint Eastwoody. Like there was a whole thing in the beginning where he was like, nobody listens anymore. That's the problem now. Like it's almost this weird edge of like pseudo conservatism. But then on the other side, like if you watch like the behind the scenes stuff, they're all like, you know, these are multicultural movies. These are for global audiences. Like it's got mm-hmm. a very multicultural. They were so excited about going back to Brazil. Like it, it has a very international and yes, Lindsay with the found family thing. I feel like that's so prominent in several of the movies, but I don't know. It's like a weird hybrid now. I do think that there's also something I said about we're kind mm-hmm. of laughing at Jason Momoa in the same way that we're laughing at Vin Diesel as an audience. When we talk about like reception theory, like we, yes. we are all coming to the conclusions of these movies are kind of silly and that's why we find them to be so enjoyable and it is the suspension of disbelief about literally everything Mm -hmm. that makes it feel like 
everything is possible because everything is so incredibly like playful. Because we are also talking about a movie where inexplicably out of nowhere, even though we've been using a white baby for a few movies, that Vin Diesel's child is absolutely a African-American. Or there is a moment where he lifts up a car with one hand (laughs) to flip it. And we are just... We have no need to yeah. question those things. Yeah. Just like we have no need to question Jason Momoa. All of these things no. in this world just exist as they are. And there is something really great about when you exist in spaces with suspension of disbelief that then lets you just think about possibility. Like, And that is the thing that makes it feel joyful and fun and makes it really nice as the like escapism that we are all hoping for when we go to the movies. I love that you place the fact that he can live the car with one hand and the fact that he has an inexplicably black kid right now all of a sudden like these are just equally weird to you they're like it's the same it's the same thing it doesn't matter nothing i there is a heightened reality and i did want to talk a little bit about about the post-racialness of what these movies are because the fact that the kid is the son of a actually i don't even want to say the kid first because the kid is dom's son but Tom's family is Vin Diesel, who is of of indeterminate <laughs> race as it is, right? I love Dom, where you're going. <laughs> like, well, Vin's mother is white. Right, Vin's mother is white, and he doesn't know his father. And he says, from what his from what he understands, he was a man of color. What that means, he does not distinguish in interviews beyond like it just is and fine. And he does have a mixed race kind of look about him, classically, right? Now, Vin has cast as his family because he is at this point a executive producer of the film franchise. Even though he wasn't in the beginning, he is now very much in charge of production here. So he has cast as his family a half a half white, half Latino woman. <laughs> it's pl- plays his sister, and his mother is played by. I'm sorry, his father was played by a white guy. His grandmother is played by Rita Moreno. His brother is the very white looking John his Cena. Dad was Latino? Wasn't he in <laughs> Fast his, Nine? Hold on, I gotta look him up. Was he? Oh, wait, maybe he was. I don't remember. I don't. I, I don't remember now. The kid who played see, him. Because again, I, I, re-watched again, I didn't. It. We saw it again before I saw Fast Ten, and the kid who played him, I was like, that is a Latino child, and he was. I think he's actually from New Zealand, so he may be like. Of which that we also need to talk young, about. Young John young Cena is just the kid from Peaky Blinders, the Irish girl. Like <laughs> no one is trying here. <laughs> Yes, right, right, right. So, so, but John Cena, very white, and he's just, and it's not like it's a thing in the mythology of the Fast Universe. This is not a thing where John Cena is like a half brother to, I'm sorry, Jacob is like a half brother to Dom and Mia. Dom, Mia, and Jacob are, we are told, full siblings. They have the same mother and the same father, all of them. How did that happen? I do not know. (laughs) And the movie does not care. So it was played by J.D. Pardo, who was known for his role on Mayans MC, and he was born in Los Angeles. His father is Argentinian, and his mother is from El Salvador. And then Jordana Brewster is just straight up from okay, so Panama he's, City, born in Panama City. Yes, but I think she has mixed heritage Oh, yeah, parents, looks like I'm not was sure. an American investment banker. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I looked this up at some previous point when I was trying to figure this out. And, but, like, so they're, none of them look alike. Now, the mother of Dom's kid is played by a Spanish woman. Elsa Pataki from Madrid. 
So, so she is like, so, so a Spanish woman, as in a Spain Spanish woman, even though her character is Brazilian in the show, but this kid, the kid who is playing their son is just a black kid. I mean, I don't know what, maybe he's a mixed race, but he looks nothing like anybody. And he doesn't look like kids who played him in the previous two movies. He's just a black kid who, by the way, was great. And the film does not question it. It's just like the way that like, when you cast a play in high school and sometimes the cast is interracial because it's just whatever actors you had available to you and you know in the senior class well, there's, that's how there's this movie also, is cast there's like and the did I you no hear the story it. of like how Vin Diesel came up and he made that short film called yes multi multi multifacial right it's not multifacial yes. Which I was like, that's insane that you can. I don't know. I feel like the days of like a movie, a big movie star coming up just by making a short film are gone. But yeah, that I guess the whole short was focused on like being told that he looks too white for to play a certain role, or he looks too black or too like racially ambiguous to play a certain role. So it seems like these mm-hmm. kind of problems or these like questions at least have been following him for a while. Right. So, and I think that the entire series at this point is his, and I don't want this to sound insulting. It's going to sound it like, but actually, I think this is his way of giving the middle finger to everyone who complained about his ethnic look. <laughs> like this is literally like, I, like I literally think that he has cast this way on purpose. So as to say, I just do not care and I'm not going to care and you're going to deal with it. The character's son is black, just fine. And I yeah. think that's what he's going for and his brother is a irish guy because <laughs> like it's just like we're not gonna we're not gonna ask questions race does not matter doesn't matter so why should race matter? of these movies is just horny right like there isn't really sexuality like sexuality exists as oh, yeah, yeah. which everyone is dressed like some version of like you know, like if transformers re- really looked like humans instead of like transforming into robots right like everyone is dressed like they are cosplaying a car like jason momoa is in all of his shiny little silky fabulous like (laughs) it just reminds me and it must be because we live in la and so many people put you know customizations and paint colors and wraps on their cars where you drive around and you see something that is just a rose gold tesla and you're like yeah that is a normal thing to spend money on that is a normal way for a car to look that is Jason Momoa the car you know like it is just and the fact that everyone seems to have sexual chemistry with everyone else regardless of who they are paired with or not paired with by which I 100% still just mean Helen Mirren and Vin Diesel yeah But there is something about these movies where I'm like, sexuality is just that everything is sexy. Like, and it is just that everything is shiny and sleek. And it is about mm-hmm. how much you want to have sex inside a car. That is what turns everyone off. <laughs> I will say, just while you're my image, I so much more believed that Letty and Dom were oh, fucking in this movie than I did in F9. I wanted them to stop know. pretending. Like, it was like, it was oh, cringe I, to me. I kind of, oh, really? when she jumped into his arms, like she was so high in his arms. I was like, I don't, you guys are about to, to have sex. I don't know. No, I don't. I'm not saying it was good. I'm saying compared to where they were in F9. Yeah, I haven't seen F9. <laughs> so I wouldn't know. I believe you. Okay. I, every time. So in, in here, I felt like, oh, okay. They're a married couple that like 
is raising a kid and you know sex night is friday and it's wednesday so you know <laughs> like 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 that's the vibe i got from this i'm like okay fine as opposed to the previous film where it felt like letty could not wait to be away from dom so that she could hook up with his sister and dom could not wait to be away from letty so that he could hook up with helen mirren that's how i felt last movie and i did not feel that way this time so, so but like maybe it's your mileage may vary then because i i did think they i thought it was better this time i it, it, they're yeah, not the like, best couple like yeah but they also no, don't have miss, a lot of scenes together it's like yeah. i don't know i feel like they had real chemistry in like the first one <laughs> and then ever since then i feel like it's just been this weird like marriage of convenience <laughs> thing that just doesn't fit mm-hmm. in with the rest of like, like monica said like the sex and that you know you got the quick cuts of like girls and booty shorts and you're like there's so much going on that like why is he just like chilling with it i don't know it just feels like very anticlimactic compared to the rest of the relationship I mean, you notice that in this one, they all, he only had one short scene with Helen Mirren. So I think they're trying to cut back Attention. on that so we don't get ideas. <laughs> She'll be back. I mean, you know, She'll be the, back. the thing we took away from the, the whole Italy trip was just how indestructible the cars are in the spring. I think <laughs> that was the best introduction, I think, was in the fifth one when they're doing the jailbreak for Dom and mm-hmm. they drive their car in front of the bus and the bus hits the car and the bus flips over. That's right. That's, <laughs> we None of us are physicists, I don't think, though, no. that, that that does not make that. I, it's that, not about physics. This is about this is a world where where Dom only rolls 20s. This is very much if we were talking in our chat, our host chat about this film. Because, oh, I should update people because she's not here. But um, Hannah has watched Fast Five <laughs> and she, she did, did seem to kind of enjoy it. Though she one. gave us a running commentary as she was watching it. Um, Michelle Rodriguez is not in Five and she is right, willing right. for Letty action. Yeah. So well, she is honestly, for like two seconds. She is a pretty yeah. stellar review. <laughs> sure. And but like she was but she noted that she was like, OK, she watched it and she's like, it really does feel like Vin is a and d fan because, you know, she knew that about him. And I pointed out that, no, this is entirely like these movies are Vin's D&D campaign that he's just like kind of running. And it explains why the characters have just leveled up in power so much since the first movie. And at this point, Dom is just this beast of a man who, you know, can do anything with his car. He's got like the natural affinity to if you think about this movie today in Fast 10, he backs his car out of a plane, drops it onto a highway, lands on top of other cars and then just drives away. That is a thing that he just does because he's indestructible. Now, why is his car more indestructible than the other cars because he's Dom Toretto and the power of family. Well, I mean, on the subject of things being indestructible, Monica wouldn't stop complaining that that uh, that Italy scene because oh. the bomb was just being battered around the whole well, city. Bomb is fire. Yeah. Yeah. All on fire. The bomb was on fire. He was really mad. Uh, there's a really good behind the scenes like feature out on. I think it's on YouTube. I'll have to find it and share it to you with you guys. It's like, but it's really cool to see. So they have like the bomb rolling through the bus. It was like a real stunt that happened. Obviously it wasn't. And then they added the fire later. It's really cool to watch. That's awesome. I mean, I'm not looking for reality in these films. Like People complain about them. It's like, this is so unrealistic. I watch Marvel films. I, yeah, you know, I watch so Marvel much. Films, it's yeah. unrealistic. Yeah. Like, 
you know, like like you know spider like people can't stick to walls like that's not real you know or anything else like every time i i, I don't think this is about realism it's about this world where they are superheroes who started out as petty thieves you know again movie one they were stealing dvd players that was the plot they were stealing dvd players and now they're international spies i guess I think <laughs> it's, not, it's still not clear exactly what they do they do missions for the agency <laughs> i think it's an important thing and, and i i noticed this Monica and I, I, we, I think we were Guardians uh, last or the other week, and before that, they had a trailer for Fast Ten, and that was really my first time I think ever even seeing a trailer for Fast Ten. And something that was immediately mm-hmm. apparent to me is, in particular, noticeable because it was followed up by the trailer for the new Transformers movies, where apparently they are animals. They're animal cars, they're animal uh, robots. So that's yes, Beast Wars. Yes know the lore there but that's that's a lot unpacked but i think it was immediately <laughs> clear the contrast to me that like they are not i mean like despite perhaps vin diesel's opinions about this like i don't think anyone in these films are taking themselves too seriously i think everybody is oh it's only him I mean, he is but everyone else is there having a good time there's no way mm. it, it's it kind of reminds me of wes anderson like how asteroid city has a stacked cast and you know that they're there because they are just enjoying making this film right and in, in a similar mm-hmm. way you know pull charlie's theron you know brie larson jason momoa you know all these people because oh they really in this prestigious fr- they're, they're they're having fun you know and they're not taking it too seriously mm-hmm. and so yeah i think i'm willing to suspend my disbelief to just enjoy the ride because I know that they're not taking themselves too seriously. Whereas like the Transformers trailer was Except so... Vin. Vin believes he's doing Shakespeare. What, what was that? <laughs> yeah, oh, Vin, Vin oh, if you watch Vin interviews... Vin believes he's Vin. doing Shakespeare. He, he does. Like, <laughs> sol- like solving the world's problems. <laughs> he's like, definitely. But I do, honestly, I feel like the rest of the core yes. crew is just really happy to work continuously and like get paid continuously. And then yeah. that yeah. environment, like I... Oh, yeah. Luda has said so. Ludacris has Ludacris has been like, what look, they are is these movies are what they check. are. And I don't remember exactly what he, but he was basically like, give, yeah, I mean, he was like, like they asked him about it and he was like, they, and he was like, I would like to thank Ja Rule for passing on the role because he thought he was too big an actor. And this made, so Ja Rule passed on the role for number two. So they hired Ludacris instead because they're like, whatever, we'll just, we'll just toss another rapper in. And Luda has been like, no, this and franchise I, bought a house for my I mama. I think he was only in one movie. I think he was I like care. a throwaway character, but then he was just so great that people were like, yeah. oh my God, bring him back. He was. He's just, and he's just like, and Luda has just, he's been very clear about, look, this is a chance for. I hang out with people I love. I hang out with my friends. I drink a beer and they pay me and <laughs> they just give me a check. And he's just like, nothing makes any sense. And they're just dumb fun. And he knows that. I mean, Jason Momoa is having the time of his life. In this. You can tell Brie Larson looks like she's having fun. Everyone's having fun. Vin Diesel is acting his ass off. And for the ones now, Lindsay is not really seen much of The Rock yet, but for the ones that The Rock is in, oh my The God. Rock also takes these very seriously. Well, he, he was um, in five, so I did see him. In, yeah, that's true. Did, that's true. Did definitely did the, the Rock. I feel like he's yeah. like not a kind yes. person. <laughs> yeah. Based on absolutely nothing. <laughs> 
It, well, he's he's had a big kind of drop in popularity I'm, recently. Yeah, that's why he's in this movie. I'm certain. Okay, so again, spoilers for this film. The Rock shows up, and I believe The Rock shows up because Black Adam tank and Jungle Cruise tank. Like Dwayne has made a couple of movies that have not done well at the box office, and so I think that Dwayne's people, his management, has probably sat down with him and said, "Dwayne, Rock, look, we're gonna have a come to Jesus." moment here and you're just gonna have to do some fast moves because he said he didn't want to do any more of them and i think it's just like a this is the world we live in no one wants to see you be black adam like i'm sorry it's just not gonna happen like now people are like i have options in terms of you know wrestler turned actor and people really like john cena who is john cena is much (laughs) more of a comic actor than the rock has the ability to because i from what all everything i know about the rock he doesn't really have the ability to do it himself um john cena can laugh at himself I've, if any of you've seen like train wreck i recently rewatched it he, yeah oh my god oh, he's so, so good. funny in that and he's laughing at himself the entire time yes and i mean same with john mm-hmm. bautista i mean in guardians mm-hmm. he's doing that a bunch i mean he's also mm-hmm. phenomenal actor. um he was also he was also really, really great. he laughed at himself yeah. a bunch in sunion um for folks who've seen that yeah, i know you mm-hmm. guys talked about that podcast um so i think it's like mm-hmm. when you compare when you have this kind of comparison i think people are really getting cold on the rock because they're like yeah this guy yeah. i don't know so I, yeah, I think he had to come crawling back a bit. Yeah, so the thing is, Rock can laugh at himself, but only when yeah. he wants to. So, like, he'll make a comedy. He's got several comedies with Kevin Hart where he's like, this is a funny thing, so I'll do jokes. And he's actually pretty good at it. He, I mean, he, but like, I think that in an action movie, you know, there's the fa- famously he and Vin and Jason Statham had contractually made it out such that, you know, by contract, none of them were John allowed Cena to be too. up on each other in the punch count. So, yeah. if you watch like past five yeah but like if you watch they had to make sure that like the like vin and the rock punch each other the exact <laughs> same amount of times because otherwise it looks like someone might be stronger it is absolute insanity that they've done this and i don't feel no he does not care like momoa cares <laughs> He's like, I'm bigger than all of you. I'm hotter than all of you. He's like, fuck it. Yes. I don't. Yeah. And I, and it makes this work. And I don't think, I don't think Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez care. Their fight in this was great. It was like, look, they're just kind of, ram each other around and both are so great at stunts like and i think i mean they're incredible i think Mm -hmm. also the sense was just like charlie sorrell was like all right let's let her get it out of her system she's mad you know and then i i enjoyed watching the lace you know duke duke it out and then of course gal gadot pops up to kind of give them a lift on this submarine so you're like all right girls trip (laughs) this is gonna be fun I wonder, Lindsay, you've not seen any of these. So when you're watching it, did you go at any moment? Did you go, why the oh, fuck is there a submarine I mean, here? Because you have you have no, no idea why I there's mean, a submarine there, to you. Does anyone have an idea why there's a submarine there? Maybe it's a reason. Okay, yeah, we all know why there's a submarine. Yeah, we were sitting on the other side of Monica. Like Lindsay was on the right side, I was on the left side, and when the submarine popped up, Monica fucking started like just her feet were in the air and she was like kicking and like wiggling around and like so excited like couldn't contain it i thought she was just excited because gal gadot was back wait can somebody explain the submarine <laughs> no there's nothing to explain cypher has a so the plot to fast eight is oh, that cypher has a submarine oh, okay and no, she's evil evil people do that she has a submarine that she keeps in either the arctic or the antarctic were, i'm not sure do either of you know it's not clear the, i believe they're I mean, in the arctic she, but either way she could get there right i don't know in like a <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, it's 
how long could it possibly take? And you've got, you know, and they've had like two movies to move the sub. So Cypher has a submarine cool. and a nuclear sub that she, and apparently Gal Gadot's been on it for the last three I movies. I like <laughs> And, or, and she just gets uh, to live on the sub. That would be I, awesome. You, it's not clear because that was it. Like the last time we saw Gal Gadot, she was falling out of an airplane and then she was trying to save her boyfriend's life. So even though she's plummeting to her death, she w- is shooting back at the plane to kill the guy who was going to, you know, kill her boyfriend, who is Han. And that's how she died. And I've always maintained that we never saw her hit the ground. Oh, I so was going to say, that's exactly like, car, <laughs> so the whole death of like everyone on the plane, like ludicrous and that they're clearly alive. Yeah. I don't know how, but mm-hmm. Here's no, the thing. it was alive. so irrelevant to me no, that I no. forgot that happened. They landed like, in the car. That's like a, how much yeah, in, that in I'm this- like, everyone is still alive. I forgot that the plane went down and landed on a submarine. Yeah. Everything is fine. And also, the, there's also, they blew up the dam and they're about to flood and kill Dom and, and little Brian. So, to, like, like, literally everybody, everybody in the principal cast is about to die except I will, Letty. I think the, the thing the is, that means Letty's going to swoop in on an even bigger plane and save before the, the they are going to have to get them. That's a good theory, actually, because I was trying, I was like, how are they going to survive? I mean, the, you, I, I just, I'm honestly, I feel like that's the thing is you're just going to spend this time thinking like, huh, like what, what is the way that they're going to decide to get everybody out of danger right now? Because you know they are. I, well, Brian, little Brian and Dom are easy because Vin will just oh, flex and muscle the and, and the water the will pour over them. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he will flex <laughs> the water over them. That will be fine. Every, like everyone on the plane i assume that you know dom did give them seconds worth of notice so they probably could have parachuted out it'd be fine like they had three seconds it's fine and john cena i mean he only flipped the car and landed on his head it's fine it's no big deal like Ooh, again even though we know um, that gazelle fell diesel, out of a plane so flipping the car the nothing. process so seriously if you were to tell me that behind the scenes it was just his deep mm-hmm. campaign and he was like parachute and then he rolls the dice and he's like nah I can't be parachute that was a six and then he goes bigger plane that that was an 11 that's not going to work either and until he <laughs> just rolls whatever the thing is and then he writes it down yeah like if that's how you told me that he was writing these a movies, 20 <laughs> yes yeah. absolutely no no I mean he's not writing them to be fair like it's fine other people are writing them. some people no, that exist producing, somewhere yeah. yeah Justin well yeah yes and the, but like but also he's producing and apparent like I don't know how much of the script matters because like Justin Lin who had directed the last several and has and was writing them you know he was co-writing and directing and he walked off production of this one like a weekend or two weeks in he was just like I and then he did an interview where they were like they're like what happened and he was like oh it's what you think I just had enough then like he like even though he's still listed as a producer on the film he was super upfront about it and it's just like I could not work with him anymore like he's he just he's like i've done four of them it's enough i can't anymore so so like i don't know like yes there are scripts i don't know how much of the script actually matters like vin is steering the ship from all accounts with the vin and the other producers i mean and it feels like it right like because like there's like there's people there's points where people move around from place to place in this movie that like clearly some writer had an idea but it didn't end up in the movie so uh, there's an example an example i will give you is uh, there's a whole subplot in this movie where Uh, where pete davidson shows up and gives han a muffin with like a which is yeah it's apparently a weed i don't know if it's weed or if it's 
or if it's LSD, like there's a drugged out muffin that like Pete Davidson gives to Han and Han's high for like, you know, a two minute scene. And then it's never mentioned again. It doesn't come back. It's irrelevant to anything. Like yeah, nothing bad happens scene, to Han. It's not like he's high and then he no has to drive. Anymore. And, you know, yeah. he's he kind of hallucinates a little bit. Yeah, he's just fine. It's just yeah, it's it's literally just there. And I'm sure I'm like someone wrote that. Like some person wrote this down for Maybe a reason. I don't know what it is before and just assumed it only lasts 20 minutes. No, because there's literally a line of dialogue where he's like, oh, maybe, but I don't think so. I feel like there was a plot like point. A week. Or like, you know, like there's something where he's like, don't yeah. touch the muffin. He's like, if you eat two of those, yeah. you're going to yeah. end up yeah. in your underwear doing something. Remember? Yeah. 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 And, and then it just like he eats it and there's like a couple of scenes where he's like goofy and then it just goes away and it doesn't matter. And I feel like there was a scene there. I feel like something mattered and it just ended up on the cutting room floor or maybe was never even filmed I mean, right like because it, it doesn't matter because the movie and this is not this is again i love this movie it, it's barely a criticism because i don't think it matters what matters is that they got to have fun making the movie <laughs> and, and so like eh. Like Brie Larson's character is everywhere on earth. Brie Larson goes from she goes from Italy, drops Dom off in Antarctica, and then like, oh, no, she starts in America somewhere. Yeah, she starts in America somewhere because she goes and sees the agency. Then she flies from there to Italy, which is where Dom is, I think. Or maybe I'm not sure because I'm not sure where she actually ran into Dom because Dom got Dom escapes in Italy. But then she flies from Italy to Brazil, drops Dom off and then goes to Antarctica to help Letty escape. But not really. She basically just like cuts Letty so that she'll end up in the hospital ward with Cypher. Who Fast happens skins. to be there, <laughs> and, then, and then she's counting on Cipher to break her out. <laughs> Was Brie Larson's plan that Cipher would come up with a plan? Like that appears to be what her plan was, because she leaves, and the next thing we know, she's there in, in Rio again with I, Dom. For as great of a performance as <laughs> Dom from Jason Momoa, yeah. possibly the worst Brie Larson performance I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. I felt so. I love her, but she was not good in this movie. I mean, she's really? not given a lot to work with. I, I love. I thought I she just, was fine. I think she was just there to have fun and I think she seemed like she had fun and I was really satisfied. I mean, this is somebody this was somebody who started the Academy you know, Award so winning. Like, you actress. know she can act well. Right. No, um, she's phenomenal, you yeah. know. So I think she was just well, having fun. Well, I feel like I mean, so the thing is, like, I don't yeah. no, she had nothing she had no character. Her character is she's I mean, she is Tess Nobody. She is the daughter of Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell's character who also has no character. So all the stuff that they would normally give to Kurt Russell or in Kurt Russell in a couple of movies and then Scott Eastwood in one movie where he just got to be little nobody. And now they're just like, oh, we've got Brie Larson. So we'll just give her we'll give her the Scott Eastwood part. Like he didn't have any character either. It was just like, hey, you're going to be somewhere where when we need a government agent, you're just going to show up and do government agent stuff and then you'll disappear. And that's what she does. I don't think I don't think she has any storyline. I think her job is just, you know, the nobodies are around to, you know, provide exposition and a save if you need a minor save. Right. <laughs> like like her. She has her moment where she gets to like scuff her shoes on Jason Momoa's car. And that was like a big hero moment. 
moment. And I'm she, like, for whatever for reason, in the behind the scenes, like the images that Gibson keeps on giving, but she said that her character was based on one of Vin Diesel's daughters. And I was like, all right, how? <laughs> Would love okay. to know more. <laughs> you want mean, Vizzo's daughter's uh, why not? <laughs> the hood of his car with her shoe. He would never, and he's so no. Mad she would that. not be with us anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, I don't know. If we really I, want to talk about how long these movies have been on the air. We need to just acknowledge that Paul Walker's daughter is, who was an infant at the beginning of all of this, is married now. Like his actual yes, daughter. Yeah. His actual daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Like there is, there is also just something that for me, like it is incredibly beautiful that these movies, like I, you know, there's always that meme on the internet that's like men will do X instead of go to therapy. <laughs> like Vin Diesel will make Fast and Furious movies until he dies instead of go to therapy because these allow him to then not have to say goodbye to Paul Walker. Aww. And there is something oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's actually like kind of really sweet about that as much as I'm like, just go to fucking therapy, dude. But like, this one is weird nice though. Because every last one of them is just a love letter to like, yeah, like, the- like when we talk about like John Cena isn't John Cena. John Cena is just a, like is Paul Walker. Like he's just written to be Paul yeah. Walker as like the serious guy that he didn't start out friends with and now they're brothers and now they love each other like and then he dies in a fiery car crash like paul walker like he didn't write anything he just wrote yet another (laughs) tribute to his best friend because he's just sad about it and like and if you're gonna tell me that that's all these movies are is just like love letters to friendship please keep making them until you die sir like i think that that's amazing yes He's going to have to, I mean, Brian's going to show up in CGI sooner or later, right? Like, it's because it was weird, this movie. Yeah, because so they're like, this the world is going to end, ha- and, and they're like, eh, but, you know, we don't we don't really need him. He can, he can keep watching his Showtime well, this, subscription. Like No, and this one, this movie, there were a couple of points. First off, when Dom and Letty get attacked by Cypher, when they don't get attacked, Cypher shows up and, you know, to drop a mission on them. And then they're on the phone, and they basically, Dom specifically says, no, don't worry, I'm fine and Brian's fine in his house, right? Like Dom is telling you that, you know, he's been in contact with Paul Walker's character. And also there's Mia is, his sister Mia is babysitting little Brian at Dom's house for part of this movie, hands them off to Jacob. And then she disappears from the movie. The last time we see Mia, she has gone off to check on Brian and her family. And that's the last time we see it. We see her. And so they're the only ones who are fine like clearly and like like they've taken a they've taken notes there's a definite we want you to know that Mia and Brian are out there and unaccounted for by the end of this movie which to me means they have to show up in F11 or it's just weird right and like I presume Paul Walker's brothers are willing to show up and do the role and CGI his face onto them because they've done it before right like that's how they finish 7 so I just assume that they're going that they're you know that 11 is going to have a lot of cgi paul walker or at least you know to the best they can do because you know the movie won't let him die and the movie wants us to not say goodbye to him like monica was saying so i i feel like the only thing we can do at this point is we have to have him acting in the film even if it's through you know through creepy rogue one technology i guess <laughs> you know like i it's good we're gonna have to deep fake him on 
on. Like nothing else makes sense, right? I really hope this is the one place where I would be, I think, upset. Like with Seven, it makes because you've filmed 90% of your movie and you want to do what you feel like is a is a proper tribute. And it feels, it does feel exploitive and it does feel like, I, I don't know, tacky a step too far if you were going to play that hand again yeah. in a further movie. I think they would and, do and that. It would cross does. that line. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're going to have to. They are likely to, um, which is what they did with his, his brother in Seven is shoot really far away on a beach for for you know whatever the last film of the franchise even though i still firmly believe mm-hmm. that these movies will never end but but whatever that is i do think that we will get our extreme extreme far away goodbye shot but that's it well his i mean vin's been talking about how 10 was a part you know fast x was a two-parter forever and that it's the end of the series and then he's already said well no it's probably going to be a three-parter which maybe it will or maybe not i don't think he really intends to end them i don't think that you know i think he might have a it's the end of this storyline and now we're starting a brand new storyline which is exactly like the other storyline once you've done an animated children's series it is very clear that you are willing to never let it die. <laughs> yeah, that's like Margo, right, you're Star Wars and yeah, yeah you're Star Wars. My had the theory that they were gonna they were getting ready to hand it off to someone, and then he was like, "Oh, they're gonna hand it off to that Brazilian girl who's like the sister of his dead baby mama." But I don't think they, I think they would have put more emphasis on her. I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna keep making these until they die. Put on them. Like I'm ready for more. <laughs> So we've we've kind of resolved nothing. I'll keep going to see them. I mean, again, I think they're dumb, but that doesn't matter. This is like, I mean, if you tell me they've been doing this thing where they've been saying, yeah, we want to have a spinoff of all women. And I'm like, I mean, I guess like, yeah, I've seen that that's in the work. I, 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 <laughs> I don't think it's I mean, so much of the principal cast, they've got enough. It's not like the cast is lacking in women. This is one of the things that they've done lately is yeah. And certainly you're going to have the bikini babes and everything like, you know, there are Letty's character is a real character. Mia's character is a real character when they let her to be when they're not hampered by the fact that they've got to deal with Brianness of it all. Right. Like like she had a lot to do in the last movie. She has less to do in this movie because they're trying to they're trying to hide the fact that Paul Walker's not in it. But Daniela Melikor, she got to be that's the woman who plays Elena's sister. And by the way, she's um she's her previous thing that she did was she's in the the Suicide Squad, the second Suicide Squad movie. So she's excellent in this. And I get and, you know, you've got Ramsey, but like it's sort of weird, right? Like, I don't want Here's, to see Ramsey unless she's there with. um So, so that we can play it like Ramsey's gay, function it's in a three way. Right. 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 Ramsey <laughs> needs to be there. Right. I don't want to see Ramsey at all. She bores the fuck out of me. She only Here's exists. my thing with like yeah, she only exists yeah she's a cardboard cutout. Well, she only exists to pretend that like like what monica just said tej and roman are in a relationship and she is the <laughs> vagina that makes that okay and i Here, and it's weird and that's 100 <laughs> percent. my thing with female i i love female characters i love female centric movies i love like female action movies atomic blonde is like one of my oh, favorite female Blonde. action movie. movies love that movie like, oh god like mm-hmm. if you like hijacking a historically male driven franchise that's literally for fucking teenage boys and Monica <laughs> and making it all about like weird fake 
girl power is just going to alienate yeah. people and make no money. And then people are going to point at it as an example of well, why female movies yeah. don't do well. Here's so like, thing. I'm not here. I'm, I'm not here for that. In the way that I was here for Ocean's 8, which was absolutely just as good, if not arguably better than all of the other Ocean's movies. Like that, you... It's a difference though. I think there's a big difference though. None of those people are in... Well, the difference between Ocean, Ocean's 8 and this is that Ocean's 8 stars nobody who's in Ocean's 11 series right like it's just oh she's his sister mm-hmm. and then there's no actual overlap it's not like they took the julia roberts character and then dumped her in with her friends like i don't think like if you tell me there's something in the fast universe that stars all women sure but that's not that's not what that's people what are looking marvel for like it would be weird right? if they did a- and, and right the marvel yeah and i think like that's the most yeah, interesting weird. marvel movie that we're gonna get in 10 years like I, there's something about like i really honest to god even though i'm about to write my dissertation like have a lot of superhero fatigue except for the marvels like and not for fast and furious but like even the marvels has nick fury the marvels the marvels has nick fury in it and like maybe we'll get cameos i mean i understand your point but it's not it's not like fast and furious is weird if you're like hey we're gonna do the family except for inexplicably all the boys are gone right like i yeah like like Because what I love about these movies is the ridiculousness of the found, like it's, Lindsay, you said from the very beginning, it's a found family kind of story and their family is ridiculously and growing and you can kill somebody, but like long as you're willing to eat some chicken and have a Corona, you get to be in the family now. And then to have that just gone to artificially not have your male stars is weird. And I would feel the same way if you're artificially not having yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, yeah. I can't presume any natural way where you're like, now, if you tell me it's not a if it's not a female focused film where it's like if you have a story that is like this is a scaled down Fast and Furious and it's Letty and Mia, right? Like this is a buddy story where it's just Letty and Mia are on a mission the same way Hobbs and Shaw are on a mission. That might be interesting, except that also Hobbs and Shaw suck because <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> that's my problem, right? Like Letty and Mia in F9, they're the most interesting part of f9 but like i also still get the smattering of the rest of the it's not about friends it's about family like i need that right and i i don't know how else to do it they were supposed to do a luda roman spinoff and i don't want that that never happened yeah i don't want it i kind of want that i'd watch that (laughs) i mean i like them but like so dumb but i'd watch it i mean oh i would absolutely watch it but it's like i don't i think that i think the magic needs them all there because it's about family but it's about about family It's and that is where we're gonna leave it as the final word. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So anyway, Anna, anything you want to plug? Oh, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just chilling. I'm watching a lot of movies and I'm writing a lot. Uh, so give me like a year. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Lindsay, I'll plug Monica. It's pretty great. That's all I really have to plug. <laughs> Oh, Monica, what about I you? Know. I want to make a joke so badly. So yeah, sweet, I know. And yet like... it also feels like we could all say something there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, if you want to talk to me about uh, the Fast franchise, of which I always want to talk about the Fast franchise, you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter. That's at us. on Instagram. That is L-O-U-S. And on Twitter, that is L-O-U-X-X, like Fast X. I planned that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
And as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. All the places always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places except Instagram because they are bastards at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. I don't even know what that is. We've been like a little lazy about doing calls for comments. We'll try to get that back up. We've just been busy. But you can leave us comments on this or any other show. You can give us your thought. You can tell us ideas, things that you want to see us do shows about. You can pitch yourself as a guest. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out, especially if you don't just leave a rating, but you leave a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular, and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And you'll be family. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank our guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.